Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Brooke Baldwin is a veteran journalist who you've seen on CNN over the last decade covering some of the world's biggest breaking stories. She is the Peabody Award finalist. A native of Atlanta, she now lives in the New York City area. You can learn more about her at huddlethebook.com. And the book we're talking about is called Huddle, How Women Unlock Their Collective Power. Welcome, Brooke. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks, Zibby. This is so great. Thank you for having me. Of course. Okay. Your book is Huddle, How Women Unlock Their Collective Power, which yeah. is amazing and exciting and inspiring. <laughs> Thank you. And in the book, you not only interview so many women across so many industries and races and backgrounds and everything, yeah. but yeah. you share so much of your own self with us, mm. which I really, really appreciated. Mm. So tell me a little bit more, and I know you talk in the book about it, but tell listeners how you came up with the idea to do this book, including your little text exchange with your girlfriends and your oh, own yeah. huddle totally, and, totally. Uh, you know, all of that. 
Well, it's, it's a funny thing, you know, as a journalist, I, I am happiest, I feel like, and best trying to like, let someone else shine. I'm the one asking the questions. And so I don't always, you know, open up, but I felt like, you know, for the reader, if I'm interviewing all these various women and telling people to huddle and how to activate and nurture your own huddles, like, damn, I need to like, tell everyone a little bit about myself and why I feel like I have a bit of a, some, some knowledge on the, on the subject. Right. And so how did I born and raised in Atlanta? was always like, always love, you know, girls, you know, women will let, like led a bunch of huddles, you know, probably ran for girls class president more times than like should have happened. But I just, so I was always part of, you know, girls are leading girls. And then I dove into journalism. I graduated college, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, what go, go heels. And I dove into journalism, which was, has been the most spectacular thing for me in my life for the last 20 years. But as a result of that, I put career first. And so I was living in like small town America and was like working all the worst hours you can ever imagine weekends, holidays, overnights, the whole thing. And so I never had a huddle. Like I, I was huddle less in my twenties and in my thirties. And so I came to CNN 13 years ago and around the 2016 presidential election, I was zigzagging the country, you know, you know, I just had noticed women showing up in ways I'd never noticed in my 20 year journalism career. And then there I was in Washington. I don't know where you were on the, the Women's March Trump inauguration weekend. But, you know, on the Saturday, I was embedded in the Trump motorcade. That's where CNN put me. So I'm literally like balancing on the back of this flatbed truck as we're meandering down Constitution as this newly elected president, Donald Trump, is heading to the White House for the first time. And I'm not going to lie, Zibby, like as a woman, as a journalist, I was a little troubled about what the next four years would look like. But tried to maintain my objectivities. I was reporting live that day. Then the very next day, I'm back on the clock for CNN. I'm in the middle of the Women's March in Washington. And I have never in my life been around so many women ever, ever. I mean, that was half a million women showing up. And it just was so, it was my aha moment where I had, you know, filed away that women were showing up in ways I'd never seen before. Here I am in the middle of, as I describe in my book, The Mother of All Huddles. And bam, like that's when I knew I needed to dedicate the next chapter of my career to spotlighting, you know, whether it's well-known women or ordinary, extraordinary women. And thus that was like the unofficial beginning of my huddle journey. Wow. And the journey took you from like buses at the March to like (laughs) Reese Witherspoon and Hello Sunshine production to the class. I mean, like to horrific traumatic situations. I mean, you were all over the place and I feel like towards the end, when you talked about the power of huddles with the nurse, I can't remember her Mm. name. That was the most moving, right? That was so moving. Tell everybody about that because Uh, like- Well, listen, I knew that, you know, obviously I'm writing this book in the middle of a pandemic in the wake of the George Floyd death. I talk a lot about Black Lives Matter and those three women founders. And of course I wanted to dive in with a nurse thank goodness for our frontline health employees, right? Our our frontline workers. And so Emily Fawcett is a woman right around our age who, a little bit younger, works at Lenox Hill as a nurse. And she was just telling me her story. Actually, I had had her on my show. She actually started this whole thing called like Hope Huddles at Lenox Hill in Manhattan among those who worked on her floor at the hospital in the, when, you know, when it, it was like the worst of the worst in Manhattan. And she told me about how it was her personal friend huddle who just really sustained her, how she was able to survive. You know, we thought we had a bad just living in Manhattan or, you know, being in America and, you know, dealing with this pandemic. But can you imagine? 
and she was telling me the story of this one day she had to watch five different people die. And it was her girlfriend who held space for her for who dropped off lunch for not only Emily, but like every nurse in her unit or, you know, provided donuts or what, you know, did the grocery shopping for her and like left it at her, you know, at her apartment door. And it was this one particular girlfriend that, you know, after she had had that horrible day when five people had died, that she just let her sit on the phone and weep. And that is what huddling is all about. Oh. It literally like makes me want to cry. Like I get the mm. chills just hearing about it. And mm. you know, because like, what can you do? Like, what can you do as a friend when someone's grieving or going through something so awful? It's you like hold space you and just, you listen. Yeah, you listen. Anyway, and and you know, all the time I've spent thinking about the pandemic, which has been a huge chunk of like mental real estate this past year. Like for totally. most people, I had never really thought about what girlfriends were doing to prop up their friends who were nurses. You know, what mm. I mean? like. I, right. I, it's just like that element never, like, of course the of course, nurses and doctors in general. Yes, of course. I just, I just didn't imagine people showing up like that and giving like spa baskets and like yes. helping get through the day to day. I'm so yes. happy. I'm so happy that was in place for some people that, exactly. was, you know, such a gift. So there are so many different kinds of huddles and yeah. one you talk about in the context of how many really atrocious things you've witnessed from as a journalist, as a journalist I'm sorry, as a journalist from like yeah. Parkland and just like all the yes. nationwide traumas you've, you're like there on the front lines yeah. and you wrote about, and I want to hear more, like people ask you all the time, you said like how you get through it. And I hate to ask anything people ask you all the time, but I really <laughs> like you, you're, you're so close to all of that yeah. so often, or you were at least. And you said that the class uh. is one way to get through it, that so tell me about that as a coping mechanism and also just in general, what else you have found to be really helpful. Have you ever been, have you done the class? I have not. I've heard a lot about it, but. Okay. Okay. I mean, all right. For everyone listening, the class is, how do I describe it? It's kind of, it's this workout. And so I have my wellness huddle and a lot of people do the class with me. And now obviously virtually the class is kind of like this funky combination between, you know, your, your workout, you're at the gym, but it's also church and it's also therapy all together. And in normal times, we're all like packed into this Tribeca studio, sweating, moaning, grunting, yelling, crying, and listening to amazing music. And if that sounds weird, like it kind of is, but you, I don't know. I think that I've done so many workouts and I, and I love sweating, right? But there's something about being in a room, moving with predominantly women all in there who not just want a good workout, but who really want to drop into themselves. It's a, that's a phrase that a lot of the instructors use, right? So it's all based upon it's, it's amazing music and Taryn Toomey who founded the whole thing and JC Gossett, and Natalie Kuhn, who are these founding teachers, you know, they talk about neuroplasticity and I'm going to do my best to try to explain basically like when you, you know, when you're moving your body, doing the same repetitive motion for an entire length of a, of a song, you don't have to worry about funky choreography or like running on the bike and getting back down and moving to the left and moving to the right, like you're doing the same <laughs> thing the whole time. And so in that space, you're, you're like rewriting the grooves in your brain and you're able to think more, I don't know, deeply. And as a result, I have just found myself 
feeling myself more, thinking more deeply, owning my own body, not feeling competitive, not looking at the person next to me, feeling more comfortable in my own skin. I mean, and, and, and I had always been like into the class and Ford space and Alita and a couple other things. But for me, I, through the pandemic, these women have just really been my lifeblood. Like I started doing the class almost every day. And I write about the class because of how it is really one giant huddle. It's, it's a company founded by women. It's run by mostly women. It's mostly women in these classes. And actually one of my favorite people who I used to move next to was, was this man, is a man. But that is a perfect example of a wellness huddle and also how that can translate in the pandemic and how you can move virtually with people. And I still feel connected you know, even though I'm by myself in a room, you know, I'm still connecting with the instructors. I'm still, you know, texting with, with various people who I move with. And I just, to have gotten to be back in the studio, we did this cool class huddle collaboration and I was moving next to one of the instructors and, and you just, you feel the community, even though they're not physically there, you feel them. Wow. Yeah, no, I've heard, I have so many people who have said that they love it, but yeah. when I was reading your description, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could do the whole yelling I don't know. No, I didn't at first. Okay. And I thought it was totally weird. And then, you know, it, it's all like your comfort level. Some people feel very comfortable being very vocal. And part of it, I'm sure there is some science between like literally using your voice as you're moving. And, and by the way, like the first time I did the class, I hated it. And it took me six months before I went back, but then I was, I was hooked. You just have to try it, Zibby. One time. All right. Well, maybe in the privacy of my home, if they still offer yes. it virtually with like the yes. camera off or something. Yes. <laughs> I feel Did like I've tried everything at this point. I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, tell me <laughs> also about this great moment you had with Allison Camerata. Uh, who, by the way, I met through a good friend of mine, Christina Aleshi, who was at CNN. Uh, I don't know if you know her or not. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Anyway, so she introduced me to Allison a while back and, you know, she's been amazing. And I was like, so not surprised that like, she's the one who was like helping me through that moment. Like totally, of course. Tell me, she's tell me about that. As like... Okay. So this is a perfect example. You know, there are various huddles I highlight in this book, right? Every, everything from women's sports to politics, to Hollywood, to, you know, the, the, the space where women are trying to change some of these gun laws. And of I, I, this is part of the section in the book where I'm talking about myself and my own huddles and certainly my own huddles at CNN. And I had really this career highlight at CNN and it would not have happened had it not been for my huddle. So what had happened in the last couple of years, there was a giant hurricane that was brewing on off the coast of one of the, one of the Carolinas. And, you know, I've hosted this two hour show for a decade in the afternoon and I am always in the studio, but you know, any good journalist wants to be in the field for the big story. And the, the hurricane was the big story. And I knew that day that I would not be on my show. I was literally sitting at work knowing I wouldn't be on TV because I'd be booted because they had decided to put the three primetime anchors, you know, they wanted to elevate the moment and put the primetime anchors in during the afternoon. That's when the hurricane was supposed to be making landfall. They were hoping obviously up the viewership. And it just so happens that all of our primetime anchors are male. Now I'm irked, okay? So number one, I'm irked. Number two, total coincidence. This whole thing coincides with this week at CNN. They do this once a week. It's a lovely thing. It's called Make You Matter Week. And lo and behold, who do they ask to be interviewed and made to matter? Me. 
So I'm sitting the day that I know I'm booted off my own show over this breakfast with mostly young women at CNN who all want to sit there and hear Alison Camerata, this wonderful, brilliant, you know, CNN colleague and anchor, ask me all kinds of questions about how did you get to be where you are at CNN and what's it like to be a woman in journalism and all these things. And I was sitting there like silently sort of stewing, right? And I didn't want to let all these young women fully on to how I was feeling. We finished this whole interview. I invite myself into Allison's office where I fling myself onto her sofa. And basically I'm like, I'm so pissed. And please tell me how to handle this because I wish I was covering the hurricane. And what should I do? And Allison has a few years on me and she is cool, man. She is just like, girlfriend, I have covered my share of hurricanes. Like you do you and you get out there and let me, let me give you some pointers. And so she says like, you need to go talk to the boss and you need to tell him, you need to say like, Hey, why am I not there? And I'd love to, you know, put me in coach. I'd love to be there for the next one. So take her advice, walk the 15 paces across the newsroom, go find my boss. And I'll never forget. I was like, why did you send all the boys? And he said, well, you know, they were being a pain in my ass. And I, without missing a beat, was like, well, I can be a pain in your ass too. And he said, next time, Brooke, next time. And true to his word, a couple of weeks later, comes back in my office. He's like, are your bags packed? I was like, well, why? He goes, you're getting on a plane tonight from LaGuardia going to Florida to cover this hurricane that's brewing in the Atlantic or in the Gulf. And so I do. And I go, and not only do I go, but I also have two other women who end up being instrumental as part of my CNN huddle, one of whom is really high up in logistics down in Atlanta, and another is my producer who's by my side. And we end up talking our way into a helicopter. It's such a long, other amazing <laughs> story. But basically talking our way into a helicopter to get the first aerial footage of this town, Mexico Beach, for the literally the entire world to see the aftermath. This ends up being like the worst hurricane that Florida's seen in a long time. And I end up getting like nominated for a bunch of awards for my coverage of this hurricane disaster. And that never would have happened had I not had my huddle at CNN. Well, sometimes you just have to ask. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Sometimes you just have to ask and you have to be vulnerable with your huddle to say like, how can I, what should I do? I'm not feeling great about this. I feel talented. Why was I not, you know, and by doing that, then you ask and True you know, work. it's so funny because as a viewer, I always am like, oh, I feel so bad for the people who got this hurricane assignment, oh, you know, no. as they have like the wind whipping and they're like flying. They want to be there. No, I'm like, what? Real? Okay. I'm always oh, like, yeah. what's, what oh, yeah. short stick did that guy draw or whatever, you know, <laughs> it's like being pelted. Yeah. <laughs> as work. People want to be, you want to be in the middle of the big story, whatever yeah. the big story is, whatever the big story is. Wow. And what about when you're in a story where your own emotions are completely swept up in it? How do you handle that? Well, I, you mentioned Parkland a second ago. I remember being live in Parkland the day after the shooting had happened. And I had Congressman Ted Deutsch standing to my left and a correspondent was tossing back to me. And we had just played this clip of this mother. I'll never ever forget the sound of her shrieking as she had found out her 15 year old daughter had been killed. And they toss it back to me fresh out of this soundbite. And I couldn't say anything. Like there were no words for that moment. And I quickly try to bring the congressman in so we can share the moment together. And we both wept on television. And it's taken me years of doing what I do to feel like it's okay to just show myself because this is a very real, very tragic human moment. And, and you just allow yourself to feel the things and to try to, you know, be the best you can be as a journalist to interview then the Congressman about how the hell does this happen at a high school in America. You know, those are the moments, those are the moments that you, you can't not feel it. And, you know, you know, you don't always physically emote. I remember being in Newtown and seeing tiny white caskets being wheeled out of a funeral home. And I kept my distance, but I remember going back, I was living in Atlanta at the time and like had finished that entire assignment and went back home and just like, didn't bother flipping the lights on in my high rise apartment. And I watched the sunset that day and I had this one song playing on repeat and just wept thinking of those families and those children who would never see the sunset again. And you just, you just have to be human. 
right? As a journalist, like we're all human. And this is a horrible, horrible thing that keeps happening in this country. And that's why I wanted to write about, I wrote about that in my book. And I wrote about, you know, as a result of covering these tragedies over and over, like organizations like Every Town for Gun Safety and Moms Demand Action and how that's a huddle, like Shannon Watts and Lucy McBath, Congresswoman Lucy McBath, that's a huddle. Six million women and men, you know, now the largest grassroots huddle in America, Moms Demand Action, like that was really important to include them in my book too. Have you ever thought about going into politics? So weird. No one has ever asked me that until literally the last week. And I always say like, no, I think I'm way more comfortable, you know, interviewing politicians than being one myself. No, really? Okay. I don't know. You just have this like very, you know, you're obviously such a leader and the Mm. way you talk about different social issues, I could just, I don't know. What a giant compliment. I am. No, you feel, you seem very like, like a leader, maybe from your student council days. I don't know. You know, it's a, it's a carryover or something. A few few times in high school, not, not humble brag. Okay. (laughs) Did you ever like, was writing a book always on your list? Like one day I'll do that. Or is this, did this come out of nowhere? Or was it like, I hope someday I do that. It was like, I hope someday I'll do that. It wasn't always like, I have to be an author. It was like, I hope someday I'll, there will be a thing that I will care about so much that I'll, I'll, I'll want to write about it. I want to, you know, dive into the deep end. And then that thing came, you know, and so I, then I spent my two years working on this book. I should have worn my t-shirt. I meant oh. to wear my t-shirt to this interview. Oh my gosh, the I just remembered tea. right now. I know, because I was dirty. thinking in my head as you were talking, I was like, well, I'm one, you know, I want to like make the huddle expression even more, you know, mainstream, yeah. like the way that you call the huddle with your friends. Like I just, yes, you know. I would love, like that is honestly, Zippy, like that's my goal. I want to like add this word to our vocabulary. I want it to be part of our lexicon as women. You know, I, I was joking with somebody the other day, like I will feel like my job is done when I'm sitting at, you know, at a sidewalk cafe in the city and I hear somebody like a tale of a table of women next to me being like, so did you huddle? Like, are we going to huddle this weekend? Or, you know, just, it's a noun, it's a verb. It's, it's where women come together, or, you know, energized by the mere fact of their coexistence. And to think that it could be, you know, I'm hoping some sort of movement among women where women can know, like, we don't all have to have sharp elbows and compete for few positions at a table. Like, you know, so many of us have had to do for so long, like, you know, having, having, crisscross this country and talk to so many successful women, like the through line is that they, you know, what someone else's success is their success, like lean on one another, you know, abundance mentality, as Megan Rapino says, you know, throw down your ladders. If you have access to success, like that is what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to, you know, put out there. I love that. So do you have any advice to aspiring authors? Advice to aspiring authors. Because this is like a no duh, but because it's such hard work, you know, I did this whole thing, you know, obviously the news cycle has been super slow. No, (laughs) you know, I, I really wanted to do it. So, you know, when I was booking all these plane tickets and the before times and traveling all these weekends in the middle of all these crazy weeks of covering the, the Trump administration and impeachment and everything else, like I wanted to do it. Like I was almost to be like, I was possessed not to mention self-serving. I like sitting around with these women from like D- chef Dominique Crin to Megan Rapino to, you know, Stacey Abrams, you know, no, no skin off my back. Like I'll do that. Right. Yeah. But you have to want to do it and you have to want to go deep. And you also, I would say like, stay true to yourself. You know, your literary agent or someone else might say, Oh, well, like this is really hot right now in this genre. So like you need to kind of cur- curtail 
And I just remember like my, and I love my literary agent, but you know, there were times where I'd be like, I'm a journalist. Like I'm not a social scientist. I'm not a, I'm not a researcher. I'm a journalist. And just staying true to yourself as you are going deep in the thing. And, you know, to have, I mean, I still look at this and I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know? Yeah, it's awesome. It's great. You know. It's really awesome. And then last question. So on the journalism front, so like what is coming next now? Yes. Well, honestly, what is next is a three-week vacation in the British Virgin Islands. I had is number one. Oh my gosh. Uh, I just, I left CNN five seconds ago. I was there for an incredible run, 13 years, and I need a break. I just need some meditating and like, I need to read some novels and like to take a, to take some me time. After that, I do not know yet. I've started to get some interesting phone calls. What I do know is that I want to dive into the deep end of storytelling. I was so spoiled getting to talk to these women. You know, when you do live TV, it's like five minutes, boom, move on to the next five minutes, boom, move on to the next. And with this book, you know, sitting with these women for an hour or hours, and then we'd finish and then I'd turn the tape recorder off and they'd be like, whoa, 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 bro. Like we need to know about you and who's in your huddle and why are you writing this book? And what's it like being a woman in journalism? And I was just like, you know, it, it, it changed my life. Those conversations changed my life. And so what I do know is that I want to dive in deep, like I did with this book, you know, and, and spotlighting, you know, famous or ordinary, extraordinary Americans. I don't totally know yet beyond that, what it will look like, but stay tuned. I will. I'll be following along. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. This was so much fun. I loved it. If you ever need a British Virgin Island going, (laughs) I'll just like, you're welcome to fit in my suitcase. My life. And you know, that sounds amazing. So anyway, I'm kidding, but have fun. It'll be, it'll be great. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. And thank you for highlighting my book. It means the world to me. All right. Everybody pick up huddle. Um, All right. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 